Hello and welcome to Over the Air Christian Podcast and the first episode of a new segment. This is a bit of a uh, question and answer Q&A style segment where we delve into what does the Bible have to say about this or that in the world. You can send in questions through supporting us on Patreon and I am sending on some ideas on how to name and position this segment within the two podcasts already in existence. And because this is the first episode, I will get to set the stage for my conversational tone with you. So today, I would like to address a question which I had from a while back. is about a big movie last year called Avengers. And the question I had was, how am I to make sense of this movie spiritually as a disciple of Jesus? And what can I say about Jesus through this movie? So that's the title card for this episode. Next time, I'll take on a different kind of question, and it could come from you. If you would like to support us through Patreon, you can also send your own question in, and I would love to hear from you. In case you're new to this podcast, or it was just the title that caught your attention, feel free to check out the rest of this podcast for more content of the Christian faith. I've just finished dissecting on the COVID pandemic through the 10 plagues from the book of Exodus in the Bible. All 13 episodes are available to you. So now, on to the question. Avengers and the three offices of Jesus Christ. Is there a connection? And what is it? Let me first uh, say a word on what I thought about a movie. Then I'll get into the important part, the three offices of Jesus. And what I think was the movie's connection through spiritual hijacking, if I could call it that, uh, Spoiler or whatnot, I won't be talking about any plot points of the movie. Only some literary comments will suffice. That movie was uh, one of the biggest superhero flick, and I thought it became quite forgettable afterward. The hype just fizzled out rapidly, uh, possibly due to the global health crisis. As in, if it weren't for the pandemic, maybe the cultural recognition could have dragged on a lot longer with countless merchandising and whatever spin-offs that's just my guess so it's a comic book turned movie first produced from the 1960s featuring characters with imaginary superpowers turned cultural icons imaginary superpowers turned cultural icons and the last movie release right before the pandemic kicked in was huge just huge it was called endgame A second part to a two-part movie out of a 10-movie story arc, something like that. Millions of people worldwide were anticipating its release. Probably broke some box office records that I don't know about. At the time, it felt like everyone had to go see it. It's one of those things in pop culture that saturated North America and other parts of the world. So much so where if you didn't see it, what else could you be doing type of mood uh so the movie here's my thought on a compositional and emotive level i thought the movie was well done i mean the whole thing with the time travel the time travel thing puts the audience backward into how the franchise started and served the double purpose of reiterating the main character story arc to remind you where it all started what got you hooked into this in the first place And they even shoehorned some movie scenes from their first movie from like 10 years ago. And because it was time travel, 
And that reminded you how far they have come, the characters and the progression they've come through that launched their stories coming to a conclusion. And after the whole time travel thing at the end, there was this ultimate resolution for every major character to close out their own independent story arc from the old movies tied together in a big, big story finale. Time travel to tie up loose ends over 10 long movies. Cool idea. And when I was watching this movie, I thought, oh, yeah, this is really good. It, uh, it, it was so good that it bothers me. I was maybe agitated by how appealing or attractive or accessible this all appeared on screen. It was slightly disturbing to me because perhaps in part, this was already a very alluring form of idolatry, turning mythic characters into icons and idols. I know that some viewers and fans care a big deal, very much invested into the story arc and feeling identified with the characters' archetypes, their triumphs and defeats, symbolic representations of real-life scenarios, and the process of uh, self-discovery and maturity through viewing these fantasy creations. And I've noticed uh, more and more young people, one generation after another, are invested in this type of fantasy, someone else's fantasy, uh, the creators of these comic books, to be more precise, and viewers identify with their creations, their fantasy, by the easily identifiable personality archetypes, biographical struggles that garner some sense of feel-good inspiration, and with the entertaining spectacle of imaginative fake superpowers, not real superpowers, altogether become a form of escapism, as in to get away, to escape, to get away from the pressures of life, since consuming the inspirations on the silver screen appear far more manageable than the pressures of reality in daily life, and that demands constant and unyielding maturation more than anything. So, what else? watching this movie it dawned on me how mortal consumers mortal consumers by the millions viewing fictional gods going through some relatable human struggles with imaginary powers as a form of entertaining pleasure let me just let me just say that again mortal consumers by the millions viewing fictional gods going through some human struggles that we can relate with, with imaginary powers as a form of entertainment. Absurd. Absurdly perplexing to me. It sounded very Greek pantheon-esque, if you will, from the Roman era. What is the secret ingredient movie? I am asking this question. What is the secret ingredient What is the secret sauce that you didn't tell me about to make this appear so enticing and intoxicating to the masses? There's got to be something more ancient, something more primordial woven into this piece of fantasy, latching on to connect with our anthropological human consciousness. In one sense, it's winning the hearts of millions of children and young adults alike, let alone a multi-billion dollar business. And it's got to be more than just the sights and sounds of the silver screen. 
And whatever that is, my goal here is to expose that and preach Christ over that, to turn icons and idolatry back, to turn it back at the feet of Jesus, to preach Christ over principalities and powers in the air or in the heavenly realm, hence over the air Christian podcast. And yes, that is the inspiration behind the namesake of this podcast. Anyhow, that was my presupposition, if you will, going into the movie. So the whole time I was watching the movie in the theater with some friends, I was watching, but I was really thinking about what is the spiritual underpinning that made this fantasy so appealing to our mortal appetite. Then in a split second, I just noticed, unmistakably, I thought I had it figured out. It was the scene in the movie before the final showdown, three heroes uh, standing on top of a slope on a hilltop, against a cloudy backdrop, looking downhill onto the, the antagonist. And the antagonist was the bad guy in the movie. He was like a purple alien wearing a suit of armor with an expensive glove, but only one glove. You know, the thing didn't even come as a pair. Anyway, he, he looked like Barney the Dinosaur, the purple one, you know, but old and with wrinkles. And somehow his wrinkles went to his chin and not on his forehead. I, I, I don't know why. To me, he looked like Barney the Dinosaur, who came out of the retirement one year too late. Yeah, yeah, when I subscribe, don't try to picture that. Uh, too late. You, I bet you just did. <laughs> anyway, that was a scene I was thinking about. Three heroes on a hill, one antagonist before rolling dark clouds. That's the moment that struck me. Immediately I noticed. No doubt these three characters, having been portrayed this way now, they will no doubt be called or known as the trinity of the comic book storyline. And that would be travesty against the real and true Godhead of the Bible, Father, Son, and Spirit, like a counterfeit, bogus trinity. But Father, Son, and Spirit doesn't quite fit the bill here, so I wasn't entirely convinced. And the characters in question, I can simply name them for you now, were called Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. And they don't exactly fit into the archetypes of what Father, Son, and Spirit categorically represent. But I thought this was the biggest hint I'll ever get to, to unearth uh, any, any uh, underpinning of a false gospel. And I was still thinking about this. Maybe uh, it was during the next computer graphics sequence between two armies fighting it out. Things were happening on screen. But at that point, I was just blank staring at the screen. Inwardly, I was trying to engage in the spirit. What is the underpinning counterfeit gospel if there is one? I was still thinking about it and finally figured out it dawned on me the counterfeit trinity isn't representative of Father, Son, and Spirit, but all three characters that I just named were ideological pretensions against Christ himself, Jesus Christ, and Jesus alone. Jesus and his three offices. That's it. All three characters are ideological pretensions of Jesus alone, just him. Now, a brief note on theology. It is generally understood that Jesus holds three offices or roles in which Jesus performs religious functions for all men and women, me and you, men, women, children, everyone. And the three offices of Jesus are priest, prophet, and king. And I'm being very brief here, okay, to introduce the three offices of Jesus, three titles, three roles. As a priest, Jesus propitiates sin. 
meaning to remove the real status of sin and the emotive effect of guilt by offering himself as a recompense for the required penalty of God's law. And according to the law of God, the penalty of sin is death. Therefore, Jesus died on behalf of those who sinned so that those who count on him are freed from sin and guilt and said person's life then rightfully belongs to Jesus under the priesthood of Jesus. As a prophet, Jesus convicts sin, even hidden sins. And as a prophet, Jesus convicts the sin which he propitiates as a priest. So he says, you and I are guilty. And more than saying so, he also frees you and I. This is why in the Bible from uh, 1 Corinthians 14, to be specific, prophecy reveals even secret sins of the heart, and Jesus is a prophet. And when a woman at the well, for instance, in John 4, when her guilty way of life was brought to bear in a conversation with Jesus, she recognized, this woman recognized Jesus as a prophet. Uh, What she said was, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Prophethood is a very particular title, and that's why she said, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. She felt convicted before Jesus and then recognized Jesus as a prophet. As a king, Jesus rules and governs with laws and commandments set by the Father in heaven, laws by which Jesus himself may go on to convict and propitiate if found guilty. So Jesus is both the priest and the prophet and also the king. God's law and legislature is not like human law. God's law prevents sin rather than to subserve or endorse sin. And God's justice upholds his own law. And as the son of God, Jesus Christ is the rightful heir to his father's throne. There's no voting needed. He is within his rights. There are many kingdoms in this world. Some are physical and some are spiritual. And in the kingdom of God, God makes the rules. And his rules are good. And he's fair and just. And that's who Jesus is as a king according to his word and his teaching. Prophet, priest, and king. That's the true God of Jesus Christ in his offices. And there you have it. That's the connection with the Avengers movie. At this point, you can now do the math and with what I have disclosed so far. The three offices of Jesus hijacked by three fictional or even pretentious characters in a make-believe comic book movie. That's it. <laughs> a fake priest, a fake prophet, and a fake king. Who are they in the movie, you may ask? We'll start with the easy one. Well, uh, Thor has the king motif, obviously. He's Of royal blood, much of his story arc involves duty, lineage, and the responsibility of leading a people, his people. Iron Man was actually the prophet of the story. In the first movie, he was the only person who saw and predicted the final catastrophe that was coming. And the mistake of the second movie was to prepare his prediction. So in the first movie, he flew into space from New York and came back down after seeing something. You get it? In the first movie, he flew into space from New York and came back down after seeing something. Prophetic-like, going up 
but not into heaven, saw something and came back down, saw something, but it wasn't a vision, and came back down to tell everyone, but no one listened or believed him. So he was on his own quest to figure out how to save the world. Pseudo-prophetic. And Captain America was the priestly figure, of course. In the entire narrative, he was repeatedly and intentionally characterized as the guy who laid down his life on the wire, hop over a grenade, making the sacrifice play, self-sacrifice to save his fellow man. Imitation priesthood, because Jesus was the one who gave up his own life as a recompense. Now at this point you may be thinking, ah, that's interesting, but I'll tell you right now, I say this not to interest you or to entertain you. This is to incite you or to even agitate you, to stir you to a spiritual awakening against these things and to redirect your comical interest or fancy back to Jesus with a true and genuine worship and even a trustworthy dependence. The bottom line is idolatry. Everyone knows and agrees that comic books are fake. These are make-beliefs. None of them are real. And they are only as relevant as the ideals publishers try to portray. And yet they hold the attention of millions worldwide. Which says a lot about this generation. Uh, We would rather knowingly follow in something or someone that is not real as long as the ideals were commendable. And these ideals appear attractive to us as shown on the silver screen and by the box office numbers, they appear attractive to us because they are exactly what we need deep down. We need a priest, a prophet, and a king in our lives, in all of our lives. And we've been drawn to these movies with such an interest precisely because God has created us to need Jesus instead We need a faithful and loyal priest, a priest of God, and a priest from God, a priest so full of love that he will sacrifice himself for our own sins and all our mishaps in life. More importantly, this priest must be real and still alive. That's Jesus. We need the prophetic word of God as revealed in the Bible that speaks to us with guidance a trustworthy word, a true and dependable guidance to steer our humanity for humanity's own sake. And it must be a humanity that closely imitates the holy divinity of God since we are created by God. And most importantly, the prophet who speak these words must be real and still alive. That's Jesus. And we need a king, a leader, a governor who is noble by his code, dignified in his blood, and so trustworthy by his love for us that everything he has done and everything he has said we must do within his leadership becomes a law to us, a law that will benefit us rather than to harm us, a law to elevate us rather than to debase us. Most importantly, This king must be real and still living. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus Christ we need. Prophet, priest, and king. And we are made by God that way. 
to need a priest, a prophet, and a king in our lives. And that, that is Jesus Christ. But instead of finding the real deal in Jesus, by a man's own imaginative fascination, we've force-fed ourselves with counterfeits, icons and idols, fabricated and published, filmed and screened. And they take away our attention from the first and truest prophet, priest, and king in the person of Jesus. Our true and real need is for a priest and a prophet and a king, a good one at that, a divine one even, and most importantly, historically real, and that's Jesus Christ. Movies and shows are large pieces of entertainment production that pick up a lot of attention. Millions across worldwide. And these successes in entertainment have exposed our real spiritual need for Jesus and how far we have gone to fail God's glory and holiness in worship. Because instead of worshiping Jesus, we have turned our attention elsewhere into these counterfeit icons of the same ideals. There's a type of fascination that is spiritually confused. An imaginative cry for the true gospel of the Bible. They produced only the ideals of Christ in representative forms of priesthood, prophethood, and kingship with stand-in fabrications instead of Jesus. The more we gravitate towards this movie magic, the more desperately it shows we crave for a prophet, priest, and king. And the further we wander away from the true and genuine satisfaction which we can only find in Jesus according to the Bible. You don't have to turn to these comic book fantasies. You can free yourself from these childlike make-beliefs. Jesus is for you. Whatever you are going through, he is a prophet, a king, and a priest to you. And he has raised up the church to do that in his name and by his power and the Spirit. So this is why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 made this analogy to appeal to what he has to say about heavenly things. And this is what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, as we all were, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I matured, I put away the childish ways. I put away, as in the word that he would use is to give up, that I completely gave up on the childish ways of thoughts and reasoning. Whatever troubles you're facing, Jesus is for you infinitely more than any wishful make-believes. He's only a prayer away, and it doesn't require a movie theater for that. So that's my thoughts on the subject. Uh, If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and you can support our two podcasts on Patreon. This is Ricky from Over the Air Christian Podcast. Peace. I would like to make a special note here from the time before this recording on October 20th. 
last night I got an update on the YouTube channel of social scientist Jordan Peterson. It was an announcement that he is recovering in better health than he was previously, which is really good news. Very good news. Jordan announced his next analysis and project, and that he will also aim at the Book of Exodus as well, or maybe Proverbs after his prior series on the Genesis. Uh, Jordan, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. May God bless you and keep you. God protects you in the name of Jesus. He gives you God-fearing endurance and God-honoring wisdom through your study. I hope you come alive in the Spirit by God's grace and mercy and to know His presence with you. Jordan, God bless. Peace.